This is K-Pop Sunday brought to you by the K-Pop Sundays before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Oldar, Min, and JR. Hello. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 8, or Episode 37 in total, or even the IU Trilogy final episode. <laughs> Today we'll be finishing up our discussion of IU's career starting from 2018 and finishing up at, well, today, now, present time, 2021. And alongside the final or most recent years of her history, we'll also be talking a little bit about our personal favorite IU songs, albums, and music videos. Let's begin. 2018! In November of 2017, reports of IU making an acting comeback started to come out. Shortly after, the reports were confirmed and she joined the cast of My Mister, which at this point included Lee Sung-gyun as the male lead and Na Moon-hee, Hello Venus's Nara, and others in supporting roles. The first script reading took place on February 13th and filming started soon after. From the beginning, there were a handful of issues. A semi-important role had to be recast after less than favorable accusations came out about the actor who held the role. Another issue was the content of the show. People were concerned about IU and Lee's character's relationship, as in the show, the age gap was very wide and the real-life age gap was too. There was also some violence in certain scenes that caused a stir. In response to these concerns, IU said, we're not making a romance or fantasy drama but telling a story about reality and people. It's not a story that says reality should be like this, and it's not a beautification of reality. Rather, it's a drama that says, there's this kind of reality, how should we live? Overall, the show did very well in terms of ratings, both in Korea and internationally, holding one of the slots for one of the best rated shows ever. We have Nielsen Korea's data linked if you want to take a look at it and see how it holds up against other shows. I've seen this one, obviously, as I've seen all of her stuff. But I always thought it was kind of weird that people singled this show out specifically for violence. Because personally, from some of the K-dramas I've seen, I mean, if I remember correctly, it wasn't something to write home about. But I think just the incredible realism of the show made people really uncomfortable and that was the issue there and i mean i think it makes for a really good k-drama it's a lot slower paced than most shows so if you don't like that this one's not for you but iu is really incredible in this one her acting is superb <laughs> and the characters were just really well written so if you're looking for a more chill drama. This one is kind of a downer, but I think it is worth watching if any of that appeals to you. So yeah, it's a good one. Something we haven't really touched on is IU's friendships across the industry. She's known for being friends with people like actress Yui Na, her co-stars from various TV shows, as well as many other artists within the music industry. One friend we want to mention because of a tie-in is Block B's Ziggo. A quick callback, we mentioned a male voice that was uncredited on an IU song, Marshmallow. Well, it actually turns out that that was Zigo in his pre-debut days. Which is fun, because on July 30th, he released a collaboration with her entitled Soulmate. 
IU also starred in the cute music video, which featured a cameo from singer Crush. Zigo has also been known to do well on the charts, so when you put these two artists together, of course, they destroy them. <laughs> and they did! Like, they got an all kill upon release, which is hard to do. <laughs> Later in the year, on September 10th, IU held a fan meeting in commemoration of her 10th anniversary since debut. Interestingly, this was a two-part fan meeting, bringing in 2,000 Yuena. She met with half the fans earlier in the day and the other half during the meeting later at night. At the earlier meeting, she met with younger fans and spent time with them. At the second meeting, only fans 20 years and older were allowed into the venue. During both, she sang songs and expressed her gratitude to her fans who have stuck to her throughout the decade. About a week after the fan meetings, rumors of her joining the fall comeback rush started to swirl. IU pretty much confirmed these reports soon after by posting a concept photo on Instagram, further hyping up fans. More information was slowly released, including the fact that this would be an anniversary track. The single, BB, was dropped on October 10th and ended up topping charts and receiving another perfect all-kill. At this point, it may sound redundant that we keep mentioning she gets perfect all-kills, but compared to other artists, it is incredible. And another incredible thing happened with this track. It broke the 2015 record for most unique listeners in the first 24 hours, and that was on the streaming service Melon with over 1.42 million users. It had been three years since the last record-making song, so that's pretty crazy. Of course, with all this success, she also won seven wins on music shows. The song itself has a very refreshing message for haters and those who feel entitled to everything having to do with their favorite celebrity, though you could take it apart from the celebrity world and apply it to everyday life. According to the video's description box, the song gives a pleasant and simple warning message to those who disrespectfully cross the line in relationships. This is one to listen to if only for the lyrics, but the song itself is really catchy and the dance is pretty cute. Also, there's a line where she goes, hello, stupid ID, and I love it. I love it so much. I don't know why. I just think it's so funny. In mid-November, IU held a handful of concerts which drew large crowds and appearances and attendance of multiple other artists. One appearance to point out was from a group she had been a huge fan of, and that is first-generation boy group G.O.D. She also paid tribute to Shiny's Jonghyun, an idol she was close to before his passing in 2017 by singing Gloomy Clock. Of course, this was written by Jonghyun and he would eventually give it to IU. One last appearance was Lee Hyori and her husband. Otherwise, her concerts ended well, and some other interesting things will be linked in this section of the script. As far as award season goes, she won in both the music and acting categories, and this includes a Top Excellence Award in Acting at the APAN Star Awards, multiple awards at the Asia Artist Awards, four prizes at the Guyon Music Chart Awards, and many more. Start of 2019, IU acted in a music video for Epic High. It was a single featuring Crush entitled Love Drunk. The video also stars actress Jin Soyeon, with the two of them acting as martial artists, as a master and a pupil. They are at odds throughout the story, and it interestingly closes out in a way that may be unexpected to some. It is very conceptual, and the choreography is very beautiful. Of course, the song is fantastic too, with some really heartbreaking lyrics. Some other interesting things that happened during the beginning of the year are linked in the script. Her next acting project was an anthology series named Persona, 
In early September 2018, it was announced that IU was set to star in the series, which was created by Yu Jongshin. It was finally released on April 11, 2019, and consisted of four parts or episodes. IU starred in each of them as different characters, and each of the parts was directed by different directors. The parts do not lead into each other or have any connection between them, so you can watch these separately or in one sitting as a short, disjointed movie. When this first came out, I watched the first part entitled Love Set, and I really did not like it. But for this episode, I decided to just watch them all through, and they're on Netflix if you do want to watch them. I feel like anthologies tend to be like this anyway, but it's a very artistic project and kind of comes off as pretentious, for lack of a better word. But IU acts really well in them. And yeah, I think Kiss Burn was probably my favorite of them, though Collector was very interesting. But overall, I didn't really enjoy this. Maybe I'm just not an anthology person, but watch it and see if you like it, I guess. <laughs> All the way back in December of 2018, it was revealed that IU had been sent an offer to star in the upcoming Hong Sisters drama. For non-K-drama viewers, the Hong Sisters are a powerhouse duo of writers, which shows like... You're beautiful, my girlfriend is a gomiho, master's son, and hoyugi under their belt. So the fact that she was offered this role is a really big deal. And she accepted it. And it was later announced that Yojin-gu would be playing opposite her. More roles were cast with Block B's P.O., former Gugudan member Kang Mina, Lee David, and many others joining the show. The show follows Ayu, who plays a thousand-year-old hotel owner for the dead, that helps them move on. She has to figure out a way to move on from the transitional realm she manages for herself as well. Ayu actually participated in a special OST that would not be released officially, though you can find videos of the song Our Happy Ending on YouTube. Anyhow, this show did so well. It premiered at number one ratings and it stayed there, and also ranked at the top of the most buzzworthy actors and dramas of the week multiple times during its run. During this time, it was common for shows that garnered a lot of attention to go on reward vacations. And of course, this one fell into this category. And there's a lot of cute pictures of the cast posted following the trip's end. So this is one of my favorite dramas of hers because the story was so well written and I use costumes and hair incredible. It was just incredible. She had an Instagram account for her character and she would pretty much just show off her outfits and stuff and I followed it. It was really cute. I love it. But that was a highlight of the show in my opinion. But it's also a very different type of character for her because she's essentially playing a crotchety old woman in a young woman's body and I think she did it very well. <laughs> if you watch any of her work after listening to this podcast, I think I would tell you to watch this one first. It just recently came to Netflix, so tweet at us if you do watch it. I'd love to know your opinion. But it was very witty, really heartbreaking at times, but I just, I thought it was a great show. Anyway, soon after the end of Hotel de Luna, she held a fan meeting in which she announced a handful of events that would take place in the near future. This included new music. The extended play's release was scheduled for November 1st, but in October, IU announced it would be pushed forward. This was due to a handful of reasons, one of which will be explained in the next point. 
We will be briefly discussing Sully's passing in this next section, so refer to the timestamps in the description if you wish to skip it. As many of you know, Sully died by suicide on October 14th of 2019. We've mentioned this a few times now, but IU was close friends with the late singer and actress. Given their friendship, it is understandable that IU decided to hold off on the release of her album. As fans mourned the loss of Sully, many turned to IU's 2012 song Peach for comfort, so much so that the song re-entered the charts for a period of time. The song was, of course, inspired by her, along with IU's 2015 song The Red Queen, which was off of her album Catshire. On November 1st, IU dropped her pre-release track Love Poem to a perfect all-kill on the charts. It also broke the record for most unique listeners in the first hour of its release. This is different than the 24-hour one we mentioned a little bit ago. On top of that, it achieved a triple crown on the Guyon charts, meaning it was at the top of three of their charts at the same time. This song, interestingly, prompted many covers from other idols, including Seventeen Sungwan and A-Pink's Unji, among many others. Of course, all of her songs have been covered multiple times by multiple idols, but this one specifically seemed to get a lot of traction upon its release. Right after Love Poem's release, on November 2nd, she started her national tour to finish off her last promotions of the year. The album, also titled Love Poem, had its actual release date on November 18th, which was about midway through her tour. IU held a V-Live as a sort of promotional event on the day of the release. The title track, Blooming, was yet again met with a great response, taking in a perfect all-kill. This would make it the second one of the year for her. The pop rock track includes witty lyrics, an electric guitar-heavy instrumental, and received a quirky music video to match. We have some interesting stuff linked between the end of the tour and award season, so if you want, you can look at her script for that. Otherwise, she had a pretty chill end of the year with a handful of nominations. IU started off 2020 strong by leaving her longtime agency, Kakao M, you may remember them as Loen, for a new one. This one, Edom Entertainment, was set up by her manager of 12 years and is technically a subsidiary of Kakao M. Just a month later, in February, she received a perfect all-kill for her OST for the mega-hit K-drama Crash Landing on You. GR found an article stating I Give You My Heart was her first OST to officially be released in nine years. Though, as we know, she did release an OST for the producers and Hotel de Luna, though they never got official releases. Just a note, OSTs are usually dropped while the K-drama is airing. As we all know, around the beginning of March, the world essentially started to shut down as the pandemic took hold. While restrictions on the entertainment industries were tightened, South Korea as a whole didn't have as intensive lockdown as other countries. And as I was in Korea at the time, I can attest to this, that there were certain places where they were just shut down, you're done, transportation kind of changed a bit too. But generally, it was not as shut down as other countries, but that's also because a lot of people stayed home instead. They did not go out. So that's how I was able to freely go around. IU, among other celebrities, made multiple donations over the course of the pandemic to help curb the spread of the virus as well as assist those in need. Like many others, she also started uploading more content on her YouTube channel for fans who may have been stuck at home. In late April, reports came out that IU would be collaborating with BTS's Suga on her upcoming release. Her company commented saying that it was different than her past music. This is understandable given that Suga was producing it, though IU did write the melody herself. 
teasers of the song were slowly released and gave fans an idea of what was to come with cryptic sci-fi inspired imagery. From Sumpi's description of the song, Ayu and Suga both participated in the composition and lyrics of Eight, a pop rock track that meshes old school vibes with the trendy sound. The lyrics express the story of being 28 years old, fitting for Ayu and Suga who are both 28 in Korean reckoning. So this song continues on with her pattern of music commemorating her age, like she does in 23 and Palette. More specifically, the lyrics talk about remembering someone in memory, only the happiness, not the bad times. A side note here for non-armies, we found an interesting fact about BTS as a group. Big Hit does not allow the members to feature in music videos of their collaborations because they have a rule stating that all seven of them need to be present. We've seen multiple people say this, including their collaborators. But I guess that doesn't apply for solo songs because that's their own music. So if they have a solo song that features somebody else, then it's fine, like chicken noodle soup. It's a bit weird, but again, Big Hit is a bit strange. <laughs> so what we're saying is Suga is not in the 8 music video. <laughs> yes. Eight was finally released on May 6th, 2020, to an outpouring of love from both ARMY and Yuena. The song of course gained a perfect all-kill, but it also broke the record for most unique listeners within the first hour of release. On Melon. The song also surpassed BTS's On, which was released just a few months before in February. With just under 200,000 listeners, it would also go on to top the charts on iTunes across multiple countries. For her 12th anniversary, she performed a mini-concert on Yu Hyo's sketchbook where she performed multiple songs, including an unreleased one. This is also where she performed Marshmallow again for the first time in I don't know how many years. We mentioned it in the first episode, so that's this episode of Sketchbook, that is. This appearance actually tripled the show's usual viewership ratings, which I think is pretty good because that's a fairly popular show from what I hear. But anyway, the end of 2020 also came with the end of the 2010s as a whole, so a lot of decade-long lists came out, and Melon was one of the entities that did this, releasing a top 100 songs of the decade. IU, not surprisingly, came out on top with 11 songs, and Through the Night was an especially popular one, it came in at number two on this list of 100 songs. I have to stress this. It's crazy to me. Anyway, she also won in the rock category at the Melon Music Awards for eight and went on to win three awards at MAMA for Best Female Artist, Best Vocal Performance for Blooming, and of course, Best Collaboration with eight featuring Suga. She topped three Gaian charts for the year and came up especially high in streams, beating out Blackpink, BTS, and Red Velvet. If you want more information on awards, you definitely need to check out the script because I have a few more things linked. But overall, 2020 was a very good year for her in terms of her career, not the pandemic. Let me make that clear. 2021 started off strong in the wake of her 2020 wins. In January, she announced that she would be releasing a studio album sometime in March. By the middle of the month, a pre-release single was scheduled to drop on January 27th. The song Celebrity is a fun pop track about self-love. At this point, Ayu has not released something that did not get a perfect all-kill, and she obviously was not going to start now. She also won 11 music show wins across the four music performance shows for the song. 
Teasers for the title track Lilac started to drop before her fifth full-length album of the same name and was officially released on March 25th. This is an unusual album because none of the songs are completely written by her. She explained that just because she is releasing something, it doesn't mean everything has to be written by her. The poppy Lilac takes the listener on somewhat of a journey, one that will end in a glorious spring. As the end card of the music video states, spring is short, but it comes again. Obviously, the song did really well on the charts and in music shows. She herself has described this album as a goodbye to her 20s and an ushering into her 30s, which makes a lot of sense when you listen to the whole album. As usual, this album displays her incredible range with a funky band sound (laughs) in Coin, where she actually raps for the first time, and it's really, really good. And an 80s synth ballad in High Spring Bye and a very Dean-esque song for her collab with Dean, entitled Troll. Dean is a vibe. You you get it. You'll get it. Just just listen to it. Coin and Epilogue also received music videos, and the production quality is really amazing, so I can't recommend them enough. At the end of her promotions, she ended up topping iTunes charts around the world in at least 11 different countries, and got multiple wins for both Celebrity and Lilac and received the perfect all-kill, making for an incredibly successful promotional period. Though she did not act in any K-dramas in 2021, she did participate in a movie entitled Shades of the Heart. It premiered on March 31st, just a few days after Lilac's release, and this movie kind of came out of nowhere, and we were unable to find any articles about her being casted in it, or anything about its impact on the box office either. There is a trailer linked in the script if you care to watch it, and according to comments on it, Ayu only shows up for about 10 minutes. She's been in some movies this year, but it's all kind of weird, and it's a bit too recent for us to have any good information on, because it's happening now. We can't really comment on things happening right now, and their impact, because, you know, it's happening now. (laughs) Anyway. We are now coming to the end of our timeline, and Oldar actually sent me this article just a few days before her 13th anniversary, which would have been on the 18th of September. She donated just over $700,000 USD, so that translates to, I think, almost a million won or something close to that. The conversion rate is kind of weird. But anyway, that dollar amount in money and goods to teens and others in need. Obviously, there are still a few months to go before the year actually ends, but if we have learned anything from the series, IU is sure to be taking in a few prizes once award season hits, especially given how well Lilac did. Hopefully, we'll get some information on a new K-drama as well. That's coming from me particularly because I really enjoy her acting, but anyway. And she's probably gonna donate a lot more because, my lord, does this woman donate everything she I owns. I know. We didn't, we didn't put, or at least we didn't mention every single donation she's made in the actual audio part of the podcast, but there are a lot of donations in the script, and probably not even all of the ones she has ever done. She even got a prize by some part of the Korean government because she's so good at paying her taxes. This woman knows her finances. She is amazing. <laughs> Agreed. But as far as next year goes, she does have a few 
projects that have been announced. One in particular that we want to mention is the movie Dream. So back in 2020, it was announced that she would be taking part in this movie alongside megastar Park Sojun and Lee Hyun Woo. And the production actually finished local filming in 2020, and they were hoping to do some overseas shoots this year. However, that has been pushed to 2022, which will likely also be the year of release. Obviously, there's been a lot of weirdness with the pandemic and travel and the entertainment industry overall, so it's understandable that this happened. Min also mentioned that she has a movie called Broker. Is that coming out this year? I'm, it we're just not says sure 2021, exactly. so if it's hmm. recorded in 2021 or coming out in 2021, I don't know. <laughs> if we can find some more concrete details on that, I'll put it in the script in this little section as well. But anyway, to wrap up, IU, real name Lee Ji-yoon, has proven to be an admirable person multiple times throughout this deep dive. She has taken criticism well, given back to society, and worked unbelievably hard to get to where she is today. On top of that, the love for her music has been a continual feature of this discussion. Her work has even coined the term perfect all kill, which I didn't know that. I think that's really cool. But throughout all of this, I think she's stayed really grounded and that may be her secret weapon, a relatability that breaks boundaries both internationally and emotionally. We hope that she will have many more incredible years to come. Okay, so now that we have gotten as far as we possibly can into IU's story, let's talk about music. So I personally haven't ever really been the fan of her music, not because her songs are bad, because they're actually good, they're just not my vibe. Like, I haven't really, they haven't struck a chord with me that has made me re-listen to her songs. I've mostly listened to a lot of them once while watching a music video and then been like, oh, that's nice, and then never picked it up again. But her most recent album, Lilac, has some really, really strong songs, and I really love Coin. It's great, and it was really fun. I don't know, I prefer songs that are more upbeat, and she does a lot of mellow songs. But yeah, Coin, really good. You should listen to the entire album. It is worth a listen. Though it's most of her discography, so... <laughs> but yeah, Coin, very good. You should listen to it. Yes. And that's the thing. I think there's something to be said about not vibing with someone's music. Like, you don't have to like everything someone comes out with, you know? Like, I'm not a music nerd, but I can tell that her music is really well made. It's just mm-hmm. not my vibe. Except Coin. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look through more of her stuff and pick out the ones that sound like coin for you. Yay. (laughs) And then you can be a casual fan. (laughs) I am the most casual fan of anything K-pop that out of us three, like you both have a niche (laughs) and I'm just over here being like, I know two songs of every K-pop group, I guess. Which is a master in its own right. You have an absurd amount of knowledge in many different compartments. We have niches, but you've got, like, you're basically the jack-of-all-trades of of K-pop, and you really do not say it, but you really show it. Just don't ask me the names of anyone. (laughs) Because I don't know. (laughs) That's great. But yeah, let's go back to Ayu. Okay, so I've been the sole researcher for these episodes, so that kind of makes the end of this series bittersweet for me. I get really attached to to the things that I work on. So I don't know if that makes sense. But anyway, that's kind of been my mindset it's this your whole baby. time. Yeah, the IU episodes have been my baby. That's exactly it. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I've pretty much liked IU since the beginning of my time in K-pop, but I've become even more impressed and just inspired by her as I've done this systematic research on her life. And looking at her in retrospect, specifically the times that I didn't really know about and was not around for, to the time when I started listening to her music and watching her shows, to now, I'm just so awestruck at her resilience, her drive, and her patience in the face of a really difficult and harsh industry. I think it has become kind of commonplace to think of her as someone just like at the top of her game. And it is incredible if you look at the music scene. She is a female solo artist in a sea of idol groups, and she has managed to stay relevant among them, but also in the general public's eye. I feel like we've touched on this a little bit before, but K-pop is not like the driving force in the general public's eye type thing. Like a lot of people listen to international music, solo artists, like that type of thing. Like your average, from what I understand, your average Korean is not necessarily listening to k-pop religiously you know but she has managed to break that and fall into those categories outside of k-pop fans and i just think that's incredible but yeah i was also thinking about this the other day i've never really understood how people came to find role models and celebrities it just never really made sense to me like i can see that for historical figures and stuff like maybe that's just me being pretentious i'm sorry if it is i'm not trying to be but i never really got that connection to another celebrity in that way but i feel like i kind of have it with her now that i've done this i don't know if it's just because for the past month i've been like in an iu cave just listening to all her music <laughs> watching all the videos and all that stuff but I just I've really enjoyed doing this research <laughs> so yeah but in regards to her music I love how introspective she became over the years and obviously you can see so much of that in her self-composed work and in a way it's become comforting to me like I look forward to my 25, 28, and like lilac years, you know, like right now I'm in my 23 years, quote unquote. So listening to 23 as a 23 year old type thing, I've always loved that kind of thing. You know, there's the songs that have the age in it. So I love that part. But some of my favorite songs of hers are Mia. I just really came to love her debut song. I think it was so impressive that she sang that at 15 years old. Ugly Duckling is another one that was early on in her career. I really love that one. Glasses was off the Catshire album, and that might be in my top three of her songs. I really love that B-side. And then Eight, I really loved listening to Eight while, you know, writing this last section because there wasn't as much music as the other two episodes, so I could re-listen to a lot more music as I did this one. But lastly, <laughs> I've really enjoyed her as an actress. Like, up till this point, I really only thought of her as an actress. I did have some of her songs on playlists, but besides that, it wasn't, she wasn't someone I necessarily sought out to listen to a lot, but that's obviously changed and I'll be making like IU specific playlists now, but <laughs> that's for another time. As an actress, I've just enjoyed almost everything she's been in. And going through this, I actually saw a lot of her filmography, but there were a handful of things that I hadn't seen, so I'm going to be watching those. But Hotel to Luna is probably at the top of my list. And like I said, if you watch it, let me know. I'd love to talk K-dramas with anyone who wants to. That drama sounds like something I would enjoy. Okay, if you want to watch it, I'm, I'm, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> Back to IU. <laughs> 
my opinion of IU might be a little bit different because there is someone who runs a K-pop podcast called K-pop-orama. He does drama, but he's also a massive IU fan. So listening to him kind of got me into thinking about IU differently because he was someone who keeps saying that she's not your typical idol. So then I was like, okay, maybe I should look into this differently. But one big thing that we've done this year that I don't think we've mentioned on the podcast is that we've been very good about reaching out to fans of groups that we are covering, such as with Detskis. There were a number of people who I sent our script off to and said, hey, what do you think? Or told them, hey, we're going to talk about this. Is this how you would agree with it? And this was one of those that we sent to him. So in the future, hopefully we're going to be reaching out to more fans of different groups whenever we cover them because they give insight into artists that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So with IU, hearing that talk kind of made me think that IU isn't an idol under the definition we currently label young pop artists in Korea as because from her first album on, the focus has been on artistry and telling a story in a way that she wants. And compared to a lot of idols around that time, from her story to how she's been marketed since the beginning doesn't have the same factory produced stigma or treatment. Like her solo debut reminds me of the early 2000s. It does not at all remind me of other artists in the mid-2000s, such as it does not remind me of the Wonder Girls at all, doesn't remind me of Cheon at all, none of that. Like, this feels very much like she was an artist from the beginning, not so much as an idol, because there was a focus on the music. And like, yes, she does sing songs for young people, and her looks are scrutinized similarly like an idol's are. But I feel like her discography definitely has more of a focus than her being an idol does, at least in my opinion. And it also kind of makes me think that if companies kind of focused more on the music than the marketing, as in like, oh, we are making an idol, how much difference the K-pop industry would be? Because I think the music would be different. And I think that it would lead to more longevity and change the conversation around idols, in my opinion. But my favorite album from hers, I think, is the Modern Times album because it strongly reminds me of Lee Soo-young's 2004 classic album because it has a similar vibe and similar sounding instrumentals. And it was my favorite of her discography, which might be why I like this IU album the most because it just sounds very polished. All of her stuff does, but it certainly sounds like it's not something that was released during the time period. Like, it definitely sounds like it's a step away from what a lot of idol music sounds like. So just in my opinion that she's not a typical idol, which is why she's really just a fascinating person to look into because there is very much an emphasis on idol groups looking the part, being very manufactured is sort of the terminology that's used, even though I disagree with it. But she definitely, though, since the beginning, has been treated more as an artist. So I just think she's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Especially since she was under a company that had idol groups. Has, possibly still. Just to see the difference in how they've treated her and how they've treated their idol groups has been very interesting as well. It's very strange because I know that they were referencing her voice as the reason why they treated her differently. But I feel like though there are tons of idol vocalists that I can think of that I just have these very unique, beautiful voices, but they're either shoved into a group and made like the main or lead vocalist, or they 
have those voices they only appear like one line on their most of the discography which is kind of a waste of their potential in my mind so it makes me wonder though it's like how many more artists would see this sort of growth but they didn't and won't because of the way that they were either marketed or just how the company thought of them yeah just like not taking them seriously which we do see this problem with a lot of companies with Korea where it's like very much the idea of well i can toss you away at any time mm-hmm. which is not okay in my opinion i don't i don't think that that's okay i think these are people and i think that this is a business and you need to be treating them as such but you know that's just my opinion that if we had more people treated like her obviously she does face her own stigmatizations and has her own issues and company stuff but just the way the artistry is treated I feel like if we had more of that, I think that we would have a better industry. Just my opinion. Good stuff. So let's move on to the song of the day. Today, September 26th, all the way back in 2008, Sia released their third album, Brilliant Change, with the title track, Hot Girl. As the name of the album suggests, this was a change of their musical style. Because <laughs> now, they dipped their toes into electoral house for the first time. And I like it a lot. I like Hot Girl quite a bit. It was composed by Jung So Cho, who has been a composer for the group since they debuted. I don't know, I just find it nice that even when they changed their style, the people were still the same, especially seeing as this album became their last ever studio album. Like, they did have some best of albums later on, but this was their final original studio album. And also Hot Girl samples Daft Punk's One More Time, though it's not stated anywhere. When you listen to it, it's very much like, ah, yes, <laughs> this is Daft Punk. It just, it's such a weird song, and I really, really love it, and it's fun. The entire album is this same upbeat vibe, like there isn't a single slow-paced song, which for Sia was different, because they were somewhat known for their more mellow or medium-tempoed songs. This album is not that at all. But yeah, go listen to Hot Girl. There is actually a official music video for it uploaded by an official source. Quality is still potato, because this was back in 2008, and all videos from 08 is just bad now. <laughs> but at least an actual, like, label posted it, so, you know. There is that, <laughs> instead of even worse quality re-uploads, uh, which happens for a lot of these groups. But yeah, Hot Girl. It's it's fun. It turned out fun. A lot of you probably not gonna like it, but I like it a lot. And I love the outfits for the live stages, because this was the time when everything was bright and oh so short. Being skinny was a big part of the fashion back then. But bright colors and dumb sunglasses and the men's fashion was a mess. It's good <laughs> times. It has not been the same kind of serotonin in any fashion clothing since late 2000s. <laughs> anyway, that was a side sidetrack. Let's go to the trivia. Trivia, trivia. So this trivia question, as it's the one of those off episodes, the trivia question is mainly geared towards the two people who are here who probably already know about it, and it's kind of supposed to be more fun than challenging. So my question to you is, 
What two rappers attempted to sing Ayu's song, Nagging? I don't know names, but I know that one has a really deep voice and he tries so hard. (laughs) Just tries so hard. That's what counts. Yes. You're right. But there are many deep voiced rappers. But you think I know names. Was it Yongook? I know, she literally just said that she doesn't. (laughs) She doesn't know. Well, I'm just thinking of all the like the deep based rappers and attempting this. And I wish we had more of this where people would sing like other people's songs out of their range or showing how difficult it is to sing yes. for professional singers. I want to see more female artists singing like really low songs from rappers. <laughs> I want to see more people like imitating P.O. or obviously Jungkook. I think that'd be really entertaining. Yes. So, JR, what's your guess? Well, the thing is, I know. Can I just say it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. just say it. You know the answer. Go for it. Black Bee's P.O. and Winner's Song Me Know. Right. So they were on a show and I think the best part is that they were supposed to do this for a challenge, but I love their costuming because P.O. was dressed up as Olaf from Frozen and <laughs> Mino was dressed up as Jack Sparrow from Chiro- Pi- not Chiropractors of the Caribbean. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> That's funny. It was from the show Journey to the West. Is that what it's called? Journey to yeah. the West? They do. Yeah. It's a variety yeah. show, so you can already get the vibe just from that. <laughs> but just my favorite thing, though, was watching the crew breaking down. Because, like, the cast didn't really laugh over it. Like, Eun Ji-won didn't laugh. Um, Kyu-yun was laughing. No, he wasn't laughing. He was just smiling. But he also had Joker makeup on. So who knows how much of that was actually a smile. And <laughs> then Con- uh, I'm breaking. Uh, what's his name? Not Kong Ho. What's his name? Kang Dong Ho. Kang Dong Ho. That's who it is. He was there and he was just like more amused. It's like, what strategy are they going for? But the crew just breaking down and just kind of like, you just see people kind of like collapsing around laughing over it is just so funny. It's such a good performance. So yeah, if you've got like the time, I recommend you watch it just because even if you don't really like the song Nagging, watching those two trying to hit the high notes and them just struggling is so funny, especially in the costumes. I think that that makes it even funnier. So JR, take it away. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends about us. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at KpopSunbase or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description box. Also, our next episode comes out in October. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Annyeong.